You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Carolyn Michelle Smith. She is a fantastic actor. She also does a lot of work as a private acting coach. She and I overlapped at Juilliard for a few years of our time there, and I've always loved her energy. She's been based out in LA for the last handful of years now, and I was so happy to see her face over FaceTime to record this, hear her perspective about building a creative life as an artist, especially during this intense, intense year. I know you all know, but please double check your voter registration, check in on the older folks in your life, make sure they have a plan on how they are going to vote during COVID, check in on the younger people in your life, make sure they have a plan, go the extra mile, and let's get through the next few months. I hope you enjoy the 164th episode of The Compass. is the dark side for you most often yes what do you associate with that absolutely um i think for me what i end up associating with the dark side are just feeling a little bit overwhelmed about um a picture a version of success Mm -hmm. that can seem intangible sometimes in our pursuit of of this thing that we do and i think that honestly what keeps me going to that place is continuing to reshape what my picture of success looks like as I change because it's funny I remember just chatting with a friend of mine a couple days ago and I was telling her this like old story from Juilliard where um, we had to like leap into the air uh, in Moni's class and like scream out our biggest want like our biggest dream (laughs) it's like a physical exercise and I love Moni and always love that class but I remember at that time, I think I shouted out, I want to be a serious regular on a primetime police <laughs> drama playing a detective. It was like uber specific, but also this like, I mean, I, I remembered leaping up and I couldn't even get it all out while I was in the air. It was that much. <laughs> and very, and very career focused. Specific. Very it's hardcore, hardcore. Mm-hmm. But now when I look back at that, I laugh because it was so specific And it was not necessarily rooted in entirely who I was even then and even more so who I'm becoming now. And so I think sometimes when we make goals, especially career goals, we create these goals from this picture or idea of what success is supposed to look like. And that's that may not even suit, you know, who we are or who we're evolving to be. And so I would say now in terms of how I, you know, avoid going to the dark side, I have to constantly reassess what my goals are, like what that picture of success is, because as I change, that changes too. Um, and so that's, yeah, to answer your question. No, is I to think keep that's changing. so important. Yeah. And it's really, really hard not to let what you think other people's definition of success is, or just society, the fact that we live in a capitalist society, that definition of success. Mm-hmm. to have that overtake what what you might otherwise think it would be or feel it would be inside yourself. Yeah, yeah, because different value systems emerge as you spend more time on this planet. And 
And I think that I hadn't even factored that in at that point in my life, that, that I may actually desire different things that makes me happy. So that's an interesting discovery, but I think continuing to leave space for the evolution is what keeps me from the dark side. I found, I found in my time since school, in my career, something that's been really, really difficult for me is that feeling of waiting. A lot of mm-hmm. times in our industry, there's a feeling of you're just waiting for some, something that's out of your control. Yeah. You know, you can do the audition, but you're just waiting for that lucky break or that casting director or director's decision that'll allow you to do the next thing. Um, yeah, if, if you felt that way too, how do you um, let yourself evolve when you're in a period like that where you, you're not necessarily actively involved in something that's ma- ma- making you feel like you can change in a more tangible way? Yes, yes. I am in that time right now, Leah. <laughs> we are all in it in a very different way right now. In yeah. a very different way. In a very, very even more intense way. way. Definitely, definitely. I mean, honestly, right now has been that time and what has sort of been my saving grace or what's been helping me to sort of stay balanced. Um, I have been coaching for a while, which you may know. I was working, coming, well, actually while at school, maybe like in my third year, something like that, had coached a young girl into LaGuardia for their acting program. Oh, nice. And... It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. We, she and I stayed in contact. And it was exciting for me to be a part of someone's development, to be able to witness that and to be able to maintain that uh, relationship, that connection with her. And so from that point forward, I'd started coaching. I mean, I'd started, that's kind of been my bread and butter is coaching students for, for grad programs, for undergrad programs mostly. Um, and. Uh, and now since COVID has happened, since the pandemic has happened, I've taken a step back from that because I think that I'm so overwhelmed even with like, where's the industry even going? <laughs> what am I even coaching them for? Right. Will these programs be running? <laughs> Will they be running? I mean, real thing. These are real, yeah. actual conversations that are happening in rooms across the country for all of these uh, universities. And so... Um, so recently, what's been helping me a lot is I've sort of um, recalibrated what I offer, and now I've been working with a lot of emerging entrepreneurs um, mm-hmm. that are looking to um, feel a lot more comfortable about their their Zoom presentation presence and how they prepare for presentations. Kind of like and pitching also, and things like that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. What's fun about it and what's different about it for me is that the same value piece um values have been a big thing for me recently like the concept of like what do i value in terms of looking at success so a big value piece for me in working with all of these new entrepreneurs is i get to learn something from them that i don't know i get to learn a lot about their industry and get a lot to learn a lot about how they work with investors and, and things like that but um i would say that in working with them also i feel like I get to have that exchange where I originally experienced of, wow, I get to see this person develop and grow and change and be more confident in what they do and be more tapped into the truth of who they really, really are, that I'm just helping them reach that. So 
right now that's kind of what I'm, that's not kind of, that is what I'm doing. I'm building my company Aspire Higher and, you know, get adding all the bells and whistles to um, basically make it focused on entrepreneur development and allowing them to develop skills that make them feel confident in situations where they're either speaking publicly when we get to that point, um, but for Zoom presentations, just for uh, what it means to share about their company and social settings as well. That's, that's what I awesome. do. That's fun. That's, that's awesome. awesome. And so that, that's been your main like day job alongside auditioning. Oh, well, you know, we I mean, we coaching and then the what you're switching it to now. So here's the magic of what we do is we juggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's been it. Plus, um, plus audiobook narration, which has oh, actually nice. been a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I work with um, a company here in Los Angeles called Dion Audio and have done a, at least, I would say, 15 or 20 books with them at this point, which has been great. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun. And I've run into some alums actually from school too. I'm like, hey, what <laughs> So that's always kind of fun. Nice. Um, this is really, really nice. Um, just while we're on the subject of like your your coaching business and now what you're doing yeah. with entrepreneurs, can you tell me a little bit of kind of how you've grown that business or like tools, marketing tools or like things that yes. have been helpful for you just in case anyone else is doing something like that as well? Like how Absolutely. you've been able to find um, the clientele and... Yes, yes. Like you know, that. for me, yeah. I mean, absolutely. For me, I would say it started off really with... Uh, it was first word of mouth. That first student was a really great friend of mine that had connected us. Um, and then, and then I started when it was really focused on actors. Um, it was through Juilliard because they used to have that really great resource, which private was, teacher directory or whatever oh, it was. Yeah, so great. It was so great. <laughs> they don't have it anymore. They don't. Oh. They don't. They have, so they they have something different now, but so for a while it was that, and then now it's it's mostly through referral and through um and through there are a few generally through LinkedIn. So I'll reach out to people on LinkedIn and say, hey, this is what I offer, and I find that LinkedIn is really great because it's just that resource for everyone who does everything in every industry. So you can really start to tailor your focus, but. Um, but for me, the entrepreneurs that I've been reaching out to um, mostly have um, are offering online services. Um, and so one of my clients who just had a big presentation, he works, he created a company called myyogateacher.com, which is pretty brilliant. And I'm very proud of the deck that we collectively built together for his investor presentations. And ultimately it's aligning teachers in India who teach yoga with uh, practitioners here in the States who are looking to build their practice and be consistent, but also track their development. And so there's a whole system for tracking their development so that their headstands can become better each time. It's really kind of, it's really cool. So that's something that I, I, I just really enjoy because I, I get to learn from them, which is really nice. Good for you. Now is the time, yeah. <laughs> the yes. time to pivot. The time pandemic to power pivots, honey. Focus That's my on your your extra skills. It's just yes. So you've been in LA. Have you been mm -hmm. in LA this entire um, quarantine time? I have. I have. Yeah. I was... And how long have you lived there now? Also, side question. Yeah, yeah. I've been here now for this will be my fourth year. Okay. 
is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's four, so four years, four years. It's nuts. It's, um, nuts. it's crazy. And how, how has it been spending this much time alone? Or I guess, I don't know if you have roommates or not, but um, yeah, I had this much isolation. You know, honestly, I am weirdly grateful for the quiet time. I don't feel so isolated. I live in a really great building and in my building I have a lot of, um, I'm friends with a lot of my neighbors. So I feel socially that I have that. Um, and also I grew up as an only child. So quiet time doesn't bother me too, too yeah. much. I mean, it's a lot, you know, if you, I mean, if you know some only children, like sometimes they're like, yay, quiet time. I mean, not that this has been a lot of quiet time, yeah. but um, it's been a lot of quiet time. But I would say this isolation time has, given me the time to really get quiet and ask questions about purpose and about, you know, my vision of success and about what do I actually value and who am I even outside of my industry? Like, who is Carolyn Michelle Smith? Those are the, it's been time for some big questions. Um, so I, I would say that's been, that's been pretty big. That's been pretty big. And you had mentioned right before we started that you've been meditating a lot. How, yeah. how long have you been into that? I would say probably the past three and a half years, at least, since I've been out here. So there's a meditation center that's just down the street from where I live in Hollywood. And there's a great meditation center that's not too far from me. And I would go on walks and like happen to like just poke my head in and be like, oh, what's this place? You know, and uh, I was there one day and decided to just sort of stay and stick around for their guided meditation and had never really meditated much before was never just had never really had any thoughts about it but then on my own have been finding that I because you know what happens when we get really either very very busy or if we're isolated and feel overwhelmed it's just a time for me to get still and for like like the real downloads to happen <laughs> if that makes sense so it's a time to get quiet and get focused and then then once all the smoke clears in my brain then i can be in a receptive place for action steps and so that's what it's been for me in times of major uncertainty like now or even before now i mean there were you know we have uncertain careers so in terms of navigating just all of that that's been that's been huge for me it's been huge. i love the idea of of um meditating with other people or a guided meditation i'd have to once this is all over <laughs> we're allowed to be in rooms with people again i want to try to search that out yeah. here because i haven't had as much consistency with it as i'd like try trying it on my own at home or with the apps. I've definitely had people tell me for the last five years on this podcast that meditation is so important to them. And I've still, it still hasn't stuck with me. <laughs> trying. <laughs> well, you know, there's so many different, there's so many fun different ways to like, um, sometimes I just give myself 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I, I don't, I would never tell anybody start off with like an hour or whatever feels comfortable for you. But I think, um, sometimes 10 minutes, especially I could imagine like you've got a, you've got a pretty exciting, busy, busy life too. <laughs> yeah. Now so it's about finding the time. A different thing now. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, so yeah, I find that, um, I find that sometimes just getting quiet for like 10 minutes um, just allows me to just recenter for a bit. Um, and that's, that's really, really helpful. 
what has it been like? I, I assume you've been focusing mostly on TV and film since moving to LA. Is yes. that a, a correct yes. assumption? Um, yes. What has it been like auditioning for that type of work so intensely? What have you learned? I mean, yeah. I've mostly done theater stuff in my career, so I'm so curious. How have you kind of evolved your way of thinking of auditions, working mostly in that medium? That's a great question. I think the real evolution has been happening a lot recently, surprisingly, because I've been doing a lot more self-tapes. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, because there's so much more control now that we have over what we, you know, how we sort of present ourselves and how we share these stories, I think the biggest revelation now is, wow, Carolyn, how much, how much of yourself can you consistently be bringing in a way that is easeful and present? Mm. Like how much of your true essence can you bring into each of these auditions versus what you think they want to see, your idea of what it is when you read it, um, just releasing any idea of an idea. And I think that's something we hear a lot <laughs> as actors. It's the practical application of it, which can be challenging, but when it happens, when you see it, when you see it, it's so priceless. And when you feel it, it's also really priceless too. So it's sometimes, um, that's been the biggest thing mm. that is an evolving, a growing lesson for me is just sort of shedding ideas of what something is supposed to be or look like and just, um, finding authenticity. I love that. And it's um, a lot of times these characters can be closer to who you are. They don't need to be putting on a bunch of char yeah. character traits on top of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why can't yeah. this nurse be close to who I am or this police exactly. officer or whatever? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I think, and I think that's, too, I think that What's funny about coming out here, at least in my experience, I've been grateful for for the auditions that I have the opportunity to go out on. But then, you know, you notice you start to notice trends in terms of sort of like the kinds of things that you go out for. And so I find also it's important for me to 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 just not make assumptions. You know what I mean? Which is similar too. But I think it's a thing of like I go out for a lot of cops. I go out for a lot. <laughs> a lot of detectives, uh -huh. a lot of scientists, like, you know, laboratory That a cop specialists. is talking to. That a cop is talking to, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, although that may not necessarily be my life or who I am, but like really figuring out what is it about this person that I'm getting a chance to play? Where can I find alignment? Where can I find ease and what's um what information that's being shared and uh sort of in this moment that i can very gently lean into versus i don't need to show it's just there's no need to show and i'm very expressive you know as you can see i'm a, I'm a handsy gal <laughs> i'm very handsy <laughs> that's probably italian in a, in a past life but like i love to express i love it um and so different tools for expression is mm. the biggest thing um, and, and how you're, how I'm getting a chance to use that. And that's growing. That's growing. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there is, I mean, I'm sure everyone misses being in the room with people, but there is a yeah. certain power in doing the self tapes. 
because you can really, when you have the opportunity or if it allows for it, you can make it a little film, you know, or or shoot it in an unusual part of your apartment or whatever it is. Yes, yes. Yeah, I just did it the other day for something that was a couple sitting on their couch just watching Netflix. And I asked my friend, I said, can we just... I just want to sit on my couch. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> stand know. in front of a green wall. You know what I mean, or a blue wall or whatever. I want to just sit on my couch. Let's do it. So that was fun. Was I'm so fun. curious about how environment influences artists. Can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about what that transition was like, or the decision was like moving from New York to LA? Girl, yes. <laughs> it was kind of a quick decision honestly really? I well it was it was quick in the making but l- long in the knowing like I knew for a long time that I wanted to live in Los Angeles at some point and it was just in my heart like I, I need to something about there not just because of industry but it was like something there's something here beyond industry that I want to be a part of um it was in 2016. I came just to do a recurring role on this show called Colony that is no longer on anymore. But it was on USA, and I came to do it for about a month. I was going to shoot for a month, and um, I was hanging out with my friend, and you know, she was like, "Oh my God, there's an apartment that's opening up in my building. You should totally move in." I was like. <laughs> I was like, I, let me tell you, I am up for one of those New York um, like apartments that you got to do the lottery for. Like, I was like, actually, like up for one of those. I was like, I am not gonna mess with my chances. She's like, I know, but Carolyn, you've been talking about you want to get out of New York, blah, blah blah. She's like, just because you have a cheap apartment in New York, it's still New York. I was like, I know, it's not that bad though. But she's like, look at the apartment, see what you think. And um, so I took a look, and I was like, I like it. I love the building, and I was like you know what, I can afford it right now. It's about what I'm spending for my room in New York for, you know, so let me just, I'm gonna just take a leap. Oh my gosh. And so I took a leap and it was a big decision. I honestly, I honestly miss New York in a lot of ways. I miss the New York that we knew Mm -hmm. before this time. Yeah. which is, you know, you go see a show, you run into people you know, run into friends, um, you can audition for shows all the time, you're doing shows. It's just the sense of community is what I desperately miss the most. Um, but have really great friends, great social life, love people here. Um, so that's kind of the, the big difference. But I think it was time for a new chapter. And I think that my spirit was spurring me onto that. So I think it was still a decision that was meant to happen. I do. That's so exciting to have that, to follow that impulse. I feel like I can be so considered and practical that it just sounds thrilling to make the decision so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's something that I was like, okay, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. But I'm glad glad that I I'm still in the same building too. Still in the same building. Yeah, it was the right choice then. It's the right choice. Totally the right choice. Yeah. Um, do you have any mentors that have been important to you in your career as an actor? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember when we were in school, maybe like in my third year, we had a guest teacher come in and 
we used to have uh, this teacher, which you may have had. Well, you, well, you had him probably, um, Harris Yulin, because Harris mm-hmm. used to direct sometimes. So not one day we didn't have Harris, and it was like written into the schedule, like but in pen, Felicia Rashad was going to come. Uh-huh. Yes, and I was like, oh my god, I like totally freaked out. <laughs> one of my younger classmates was like, who's that? And I was oh like, gosh. you don't know who Felicia Rashad is. I totally freaked out and schooled her and showed her everything of the Casper show. And then uh, when we had the class, it was really a pivotal moment for me in third year because I felt very seen. And I felt, mm-hmm. I also just felt so honored to have this TV mom of my childhood be present. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so as the years have gone on, you know, um, I've gone to support her in things and she's gives, you know, shared a lot of really great words of wisdom with me. I went to go see her. Um, in a show here at the Tabor, and she's just she's just very present in that way, um, which is always a really lovely lovely thing. And then, and then, um, and then for me, I think there are also I believe there are there may not be actual physical mentors, but I think we all have people or artists that inspire us, or there's something about their who they are, their legacy that we're deeply drawn towards. Mm-hmm. Just a couple days ago was uh, this wonderful actress, Bea Richards' birthday. And Bea Richards, she played like Sidney Poitier's uh, mother in uh, Guess Is Coming to Dinner many, many years ago. Older actress from a very earlier time. And there's a great documentary about her called Bea Speaks that I encourage every actor to watch because she was an actress of great power, tremendous gravitas, um, and she did work a whole lot. She did work a lot. The work that she did, though, was like, like pivotal, groundbreaking, like blow your mind, present, beautiful. And there was a grace about her and about the way she saw creating work. Um, and so I would say, if I have like a spiritual, like energetic mentor, (laughs) Um, it would be Bea Richards because she, I feel like she saw things that I'm seeing now in my life, in my generation, but she approached it with such grace, with gratitude and a deep knowing of there's something greater beyond this. And that faith is something that, that's the kind of thing that keeps me going. So yeah. That's amazing. I want to go watch that documentary now. Yes. Um, are there any lessons that you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you wouldn't mind sharing? It can be mm. something small or something big. Lessons that I've learned that I'm very proud of. Girl, yeah. I would say being grateful for time and giving yourself the time that you need to process things. Um, I think that, uh, as you know, I recently, my, my mother recently passed in April, which I'm right. open about and, and, and comfortable sharing about. But I think that there was this unconscious desire to find a way to be okay quickly, mm. to find a way to be able to handle my feelings and move on somehow professionally or socially. And and then suddenly there was a switch and I was like, wait a second. No, that's not what it means to really deeply process. 
And so moving through that grief and allowing myself the time to really mourn in a way that I believed she was worthy of the level of respect of, of mourning in a reverent way. And for me to take my time through that, I think it's been the biggest lesson I've learned is to give yourself time to be gracious with yourself because sometimes when we want to speed through a process, no matter what it is, I mean, grief is just one example, but speeding through processes in our lives, it's like you, you miss the blessing, you miss the lesson, you miss the, that deep knowing that you have the opportunity to, to, to gain. So giving myself time. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think especially right now, our society is just so, with technology and with always being available to people um, and social media, I think you're right. People just don't, you're always just expected to keep moving, to keep communicating, to keep Mm -hmm. getting back to normal so quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I'm a little, you know, that's kind of related. I'm, I'm very concerned since it's taking our country so long to recover from this virus. Um, and I, I definitely noticed this in like, I cause I'm working a day job right now. That's mm-hmm. like an, an office even though we're not in the office an office <laughs> corporate kind of day job, you know, just the fact that this is becoming normal and that yeah. pe- people are just expected to keep functioning, um, in the same way without acknowledging anymore. Like I feel like maybe because I'm in New York and we had it so intensely um, hard hit right at the beginning and now things are a lot better than that. I feel like there's so much pressure to just continue on like normal and um, it's not. (laughs) It's just not normal and People are it's under not. such pressures and it's, you can't pretend that it is. Yeah, I almost wish, <laughs> this is like the little like wish in my head. I wish that like, because it's such a pivotal shift in our world right now, I just wish there was like, kind of like I said, like a, just a general acknowledgement. Like, I just wish that like, literally there was a big announcement that was like, hey, um, now that the entire world has changed. This would be a great time to ask yourself some big questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think, because I mean, I, I, that's what I'm so strongly feeling. And I, 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 and that I also sort of lovingly want for everyone so that they don't feel that need to jump into that, to, to, to continue as if nothing's happened, as if there's no change at all. Right. And I, I know that part of it is like, yes, we need to get working again we need economically obviously like we have to keep going um but I do feel and I I don't know how you feel out there with like the tv industry because the tv industry actually is picking up again and starting to produce unlike Mm -hmm. theater Mm -hmm. um like with theater I'm I'm very curious since this is an actual like full stop I have you know, I'm cu- I'm just curious to see what happens when it starts up again. If this is taken, and I, I'm sorry, listeners, I have mentioned this idea in, in a couple other interviews, but I'm curious to hear what you think about it because I just want to talk about it all the time. Um, 
you know, will this be an opportunity for us to really reinvent the way that we work in interesting and new ways and also more socially just and racially just ways? Like, is this an opportunity to actually make huge systematic change? Or will people just be scrambling financially and just do the same old thing? Um, and I think that that question, it's in the front of my mind as an artist in the arts field, but that opportunity is there in every part of our world and our society because there's never mm -hmm. been a stop like this. I mean, I think <laughs> you've actually answered the question. I think, and I think, I think that it's. I think you're absolutely right, and I feel like this, this is creating an opportunity for a major change. Yes, I think that theater will not be what we knew. We'll be able to have lovely memories of what it was before and what it has to become now. Um, you know, systems are dismantling, you know, people are asking bigger questions. And so, you know, the times are always reflected in our art. And now that we have all of these fantastic digital mediums through which we can tell stories, I, I just shot a film, uh, shot a film, it's a Zoom film. It's a Zoom. It's mostly <laughs> being done, been done via Zoom. We had a small camera crew, but it is presented predominantly in the Zoom format, even once it's edited and everything like that. And, but it's about isolation and it's mm. about this period of time. So I think that our stories will have to reflect this time. It's impossible for them not to. And then I think eventually, you know, the concern of like financial financials and like, you know, are we going to sort of keep doing what we were doing and financially struggle? I I actually think that there are whole new revenue streams for entirely new shapes of what are yet to be created. So I feel like we're moving into a to a, what is a you know uh, might be seem a little bit scary, but a very exciting new time. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to be hopeful for that. I think it does shift what it means to be an artist a little bit and how we create our art, um, but aren't artists adaptive? Do you know what I mean? I mean, more than most people. I more mean, than most people. That's the thing is like this, this time is especially scary for artists, especially when a lot of people's day jobs were in the restaurant industry or other industries that were also affected. Yeah, but also we're the most used to constantly looking for a job, to constantly adapting, constantly working with new people. So you're right. Hopefully, we'll come out on top. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think we will. I think we definitely begin. We're going to come out asking deeper questions, more investigative, more curious, more compassionate, um, more understanding of others struggles I, I think it's going to be yeah yeah it's different <laughs> it's different do you have any other creative outlets that you've found uh, writing or drawing or whether you would share them with other people or not yeah 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 yes that's great I love it um <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> I thought that's very real I would say I would say writing for sure writing has been something that's been really um a great outlet and a lot of fun and, and I have shared I've, I've definitely shared it I've uh, been taking a class that's been really insightful for, for screenwriting and that's oh, great. Been a lot of fun and then I like to dance 
too. Whether I would share. Yes, I love to dance. <laughs> Um, I feel like it's just, you know, it's a great release and I think it's a, it's an art form that I'm <laughs> really good at in my apartment without anybody, <laughs> without anyone watching. No, I really, it's expressive. It allows me to process as well. And that's, um, and just be physical because we know how much our minds want us to move our bodies, our minds create it. So I think that's. I think it's that's been my my outlet. <laughs> I know we didn't really talk a lot about um, what first got you into acting. What made you oh. decide to pursue that in higher education and for your career? I might have been about nine years old. I used to play basketball when I was like really young, mm-hmm. and um, I lived in my mom and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia just outside of Atlanta. And I was on this basketball team with a bunch of other girls. And I loved, it's so funny, the kinds of things that are just innately in you that make up who you are. Um, I loved being with the other girls. I loved the community aspect of it. I was like, oh my gosh, we're <laughs> a team. And we're all the same age and they're so cool and so fun. And so when we'd have our scrimmages, I loved it. But then all of a sudden, when we'd like play games and if we lost, everybody's moods would turn. And I was like, oh, this this part of it kind of sucks. Like, what about the community? Yeah, it's stressful, exactly. What about the community aspect? What about like, and so it was around that time, it was around nine or so that I like saw this like ad for like kids doing musical theater in like this community center and um, decided to go check it out, watch a few of their rehearsals. And that's kind of how I got into theater around like maybe like nine or 10 in Atlanta. And then from that point, did it in high school quite a bit. and then it was around 15 that our high school randomly was chosen to perform a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in oh. Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like high school theater somehow is represented there, which is crazy. Um, so our whole department just went to do a show there. And it was while we were there. And I think it was seeing so many. It was, I saw so much theater. But I saw such a variety. It was was the first time I was exposed to so many artists that perform that could really do anything. And I was like, wow, this is a real life. People are making a Mm. real life doing this. And I was like, I want this. This is the life that I want. And so uh, it was around 15 years old that our class climbed Arthur's seat, which is this mountain in, in Scotland, Edinburgh. And at the top of Arthur's seat, I made a vow to the universe that I was gonna be an actress for the rest of my life. That was literally what happened. Oh my goodness. I've never never been to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I would love to go. And I can just imagine at that age, like going from knowing musical theater or whatever, like plays that you had seen at that age to seeing experimental fringe theater. Yeah. Buto theater. You know, just a bunch of, it was, it was a, yeah, that was the Mm. moment. moment. Um, I have a couple little questions that I usually ask at the end, but before I do, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you were really hoping to talk about? Um, I would say the one thing that I think about a lot is, you know, and even though we're no, no longer in the classroom capacity you know, when it comes to education and stuff like that and teaching, because, mm-hmm. you know, although I have this coaching 
business that I do, it's this love for education, it's this love for development uh, and watching people develop to develop. I think that the one thing that I really treasure is uh, is education and I miss, I, I do, even though we're in this capacity now where we can't be in classrooms and I, I miss that and I look back at points in my life and how much that really shaped who I was in a variety of ways, you know what I mean? Um, teachers that I've had, um, mentors that I've had that have really shaped me. So uh, I, I guess all I would really say is just, how do you treasure your educators? How do you treasure, that's really just a, an open question. Mm. How do you treasure your educators? How do you treasure your educational experiences? Whether it's in an actual classroom or outside with someone that just shares something with you. How do you look back at that? How does it shape who you are? And um, and how can you deepen the value of that? Because, you know, we're comprised of so much what our families make us, but also it's all right, it's all nature and nurture, right? So education is ultimately nurturing. And uh, I found that for me, I've developed a, a strong passion for it. And so I just, um, yeah, that would probably be the biggest thing is how do you value that? You know, we've talked about some of this, but if you do feel yourself going to that dark place, mm. like kind of uninspired or comparing yourself or whatever it is, are there any tangible things that you turn to again and again, like books you reread or music you listen to or places you go, mm -hmm. things like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's probably been recommended on this podcast several times before, but I just love it. Um, and I'm sure every artist has already done this before, but I really love the artist's way. It's so old school. It's so old school. <laughs> I would say that book for sure. Um, and in terms of like um, films or uh, or music, for me, I just, I music actually does it a lot for me in terms of helping me kind of peel through the layers of that dark side to get to, oh, why am I, what's, why is this important to me? Or who am I asking those deeper questions? You know, it's funny, I, I went to a, I'm really into Moses Sumney. Have you heard of Moses Sumney? No, I'm ready so I, oh God, I love his music. So he's, uh, that was the very last concert that I went to before quarantine hit. So it might've been like March 3rd or March 10th. Um, and uh, a fellow Juilliard friend who was playing tuba, uh, Ibanda Rumbika oh, yeah. was playing for him, and Ibanda's really awesome, and invited um, myself and another um, friend. And so we ended up going, and there's something about his music that's very, um, it's, it's, it falls into this almost dreamlike space. Mm -hmm. This His oral soundscape is, it sort of just, it lulls and it rocks you, and it just gets you to this very quiet, essential place. And so I'm a big fan of his music. I'm a big fan of, fan of um, this artist named Xavier Omar. Um, and for me, the reason that I like it is not necessarily because it helps me remember why I want to be an artist. It helps me why, remember why I'm human first. It helps me, and, and to me, I, know we're, I think we're really, we are all human before we're artists. And so it just gets me to that, to that soft core first. Um, and then everything else starts to flow from there. Hmm. So yeah, 
I would say those two artists for me right now. Um, well, you might have just answered the next question, but if you have something else you want to mention, um, the last question is, is, is there anything you want to recommend of any art form that you've uh, you've taken in yes. lately? Whoa, I just finished I May Destroy You, which I know many people have already seen. I have a couple episodes left. I'm almost you do? There, almost there. That has completely re-inspired me in terms of television, personally, um, and some of the stories that are being told. Great, there are fantastic shows that are, that are out now, but for me, uh, her story and her journey outside of even that action, all of, just all of her, Michaela Cole, super inspired by her. Yeah. Um, um, and then, um, and then some really great films that have always inspired me over the. I mean, I saw. Oddly enough, Parasite is a movie that I really was obsessed with and yeah, me found. Too. Yeah, it just it opened, it just touched on things thematically that I I don't think I'd seen on film in that way that I found super exciting, especially at this point in where our country is. You know what I mean? Uh, it just it hit it hit yeah. a certain kind of way. Yeah. Um, so those would be two strong recommendations of mine. Wonderful. Yeah. Carolyn, yeah. thank you so, so much for doing this. Yes. Just made my week. <laughs> oh, made mine too. listening to the compass podcast if you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the compass please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the compass podcast pledges start at as little as one dollar a month anything you can give would be greatly appreciated also if you have a moment please rate or review in itunes every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 